Disclaimer. The following podcast contains material and language that may not be suitable for minors. While not in every episode, this podcast may contain triggering subject matter that may be brought up without warning. Any information or advice given is for entertainment purposes only. We are not doctors. Please consult your physician with any medical questions or before making any decisions regarding your health. Listener discretion is strongly advised. It may be cliche at this point, but man, 2020 was a year like no other. And that includes sex and all things sex-like. This week, we look at 2020, the year in sex, in the sack. With Seth and Sarah. So I know that we told you guys that we're going to do the episode about online dating, but uh, as always with us, there were some production snafus and delays and things like that. So that's still coming, but we're getting up to the end of the year and we really wanted to do this year in wrap up. So you're getting this first. Because let's face it, guys, 2020 has been a year like none of us have ever fucking experienced before. Unless you were around, even if you were around during the Great Depression and the Spanish flu, it's none of us have had a year like this ever in our lives. It's completely unprecedented. The subject has been talked into the ground, COVID-19. Obviously, everything that we've been through, it's basically been talked into the ground. But hey, here we are to talk about it some more and uh, sum it up for you, some of the shit that's happened. We're putting our own spin on it. We're focusing on the sex-like things of the year. The year that was a dumpster fire full of diapers. (laughs) The nasty ones. Yeah. But do you remember beginning (laughs) of the year, all the optimism, all the hashtag 2020 vision stuff that was going around? Oh my gosh, yeah. All the terrible dad jokes about optometry. Mm-hmm. I consider myself to be, someone when it comes to dealing with actual people, I'm pretty much an optimist. I think things are going to be okay for the most part, other than I do think most humans suck. But <laughs> I wasn't fully buying into everyone's like, oh, it's going to be the greatest year ever. We're going to have like all this great stuff. And like, okay, yeah, we probably will, maybe. <laughs> and then look what happened. Well, time is a social construct. So you can slap a label on it. You can slap a couple numbers on there and call it what you want. It Just because you want to throw some numbers on it doesn't make it any better or any worse than any other year. It, you can call it 2020. You can call it HP 1322. Yeah, whatever you want to call it, it's not going to make a difference. When did you see things starting to go sideways? I'm going to say something here and I'm ashamed. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I'm ashamed. I was initially a naysayer. With COVID-19. I was one of the people back in like January, February, who was, okay, people need to just chill out, look at the numbers, let's not panic. The media has a tendency to throw these things out of proportion and get everybody riled up. Let's just step back and breathe. (laughs) It took me a little while. I want to say it was probably April, I think, before it really hit me that so we were already in lockdown. Like, wow. I, yeah, we, we locked down on in March. Well, then maybe it wasn't quite April. I guess it was I guess it was when we locked down. I think the skepticism that you had was justified at first anyway, because we've been through what swine flu and West Nile virus and SARS and all that. So a new virus. Okay, we've been through this. Let's just get it over with. And then it kind of turned out to not be like all the others. <laughs> And let's face it, we were also coming out of one of the worst flu seasons that we'd had. Oh, yes, absolutely. We're talking over 100,000 just from influenza last year. So, I mean, coming out of 
one of the worst flu years and then straight into this. I don't want to say that I wasn't prepared. I just, I don't know. You're a skeptic and that's fine. I'm a nurse. It's not bad until it's bad. <laughs> I don't. You hadn't extrapolated the data yet, so you weren't going to jump to a conclusion. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's not falling off. We're not going to panic. It's fine. I remember I went to a football game just a few weeks before we all locked down. I look back now and I was like, man, there was 40,000 people there. <laughs> Probably. Man. We went to a big aquarium yeah. in the city. Yeah. We were packed shoulder to shoulder, and it was the day before they announced lockdown. It was a mess. And we we're packed in there shoulder to shoulder because it's an aquarium on a Friday. Nobody thinks twice about it. You're there breathing in everybody else's spit and everyone's shuffling together and touching everything. and Not washing their hands. Yeah, not washing their hands. But as the healthcare professional, of course, I'm like, I'm washing my hands and we're all sanitizing and whatever anyway, because of course I carry bottles of hand sanitizer because people are disgusting on a normal basis. And uh, yeah, you know what? I think back to it now and I'm like, how stupid are we? We're just fucking idiots. It's true on so many levels. I mean, this is not just this, but... Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I was pretty late in the game before I finally either accepted it, was willing to admit, or realized that, yeah, it was bad. So what about you? I think once I started canceling events, like once the NBA player Rudy Gobert got the NBA season shut down, because when he was an idiot and touched all the microphones after saying it wasn't that big of a deal, and when they shut the NBA down, NHL, and the XFL all closed, it was like, Okay, this might be something. This is another swine flu. This isn't another West Nile virus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But it started affecting your sport ball. Well, not just that, in life in general, because it's like sports is one thing, but they're to close in theaters and things like that. Yeah. It was like, okay. They're shutting things down and it's impacting. And, and yes, you're looking at it and you're like, wow, this is really crazy. And you start seeing your town shutting down and you start seeing things like curfews. I've never seen before. I've never seen a curfew where police are stopping you and, and asking you, you know, where are you going? And you have to tell them, you know, I'm going to work or I'm going to the grocery store or whatever. I don't know about you, but I, I had a letter that I had to keep in my car saying who I was and why I was out. Yeah, yeah. I had to have a letter that said I was a healthcare worker, that I was an essential worker, not to allow me, but to, I guess, stop from getting harassed. At <laughs> Any questions they may have, like, here, I've got this on letterhead saying I'm good. I felt like a brand new graduate. I think for the first couple of days, I hung my uh, stethoscope. Mm -hmm. If I had to go in there, I hung my stethoscope in my rear view mirror. <laughs> now, every single person in the country has it. Yeah. <laughs> now everyone has a mask hanging from their mirror. Yeah. I was like, look at me. Like, nope, nope, nope. This is me. I'm an essential worker. Don't stop me. The moment that it really, I guess, hit me that I had to stop, that kind of took my breath away, was seeing the images on TV of, the bodies. Because we don't see that. We hadn't seen that impact yet where we're at, yeah. the way that they were saying it on the coasts. It hit America. One of the last places it hit, too. It was China, it was Italy, it was the UK, and then it was us. Well, and it hit the East Coast first. Oh, yeah. And it hit the East Coast hard. And seeing the images that I'm sure everyone has seen now of the workers in the hazmat suits and the mass graves, simply because they didn't have time and didn't have the, the resources to bury the bodies. Yes. And seeing that, it was like a fucking movie. That, I think, was the pivotal moment that That's when it clicked. really hit me. Yeah. Not that made it real, but that really made me sit back and think that... This is more serious than I thought. Fuck. 
like people I know are going to die. Our show and our topics is what it did to love and sex. Because, I mean, all of a sudden, you really couldn't meet. You could meet new people, but you certainly couldn't meet them in person, or at least it wasn't a good idea. Right. (laughs) Yeah, no more rubbing up on people at the aquarium, for sure. And you really couldn't go to the club or anything like that. No more random hookups at the bar. All of a sudden, you know, Zoom dating became a thing. And that's depressing. (laughs) (laughs) So you're a single guy, which we've discussed, obviously. I want to hear, how much of this have you done with the Zoom dating? None whatsoever. So how has your dating life been affected by any of this? I wish I could say that it's been negatively affected, but I think I broke some rules, honestly, because I did go meet some people that were new in communal places that I probably shouldn't Steph, you know better. I do, but do you count, like, two people in a hotel room as something you shouldn't do in this situation? Well, yeah, because for every one person that you meet, it's like 25 or something, right? Mm, That's fair, that's fair. But the Zoom dating, I never did dating services type of thing. I never did the speed dating. I met people either through a friend you lately, or just in the natural course of events. And I'm not besmirching people that do that. That works for you. That's great. I just never did it because it's just not your thing. Yeah. Yeah. And one, I'd never had the time for it. Which is funny because I think traditionally that's why people do it. People, I think, tend to do the speed dating and the online dating because they don't have time to go out and meet people traditionally. People that don't know us how many hoops we have to jump through to get this show done <laughs> with, our, with, with our schedules. So for me to set aside time to go set up a profile or to go to this bead dating place, it wasn't going to jive. So <laughs> and I do okay meeting people in the wild. So In the wild. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It's interesting because I work with quite a few single people and I've seen a lot of them who... They're doing the Tinder thing and they're doing the online dating thing. And the number of them who have been meeting people online, I don't know. I think it's a really interesting thing. And I'm not sad that I'm (laughs) not experiencing it. But at the same time, I kind of wish that I had some kind of firsthand knowledge to pass on to people. But I just, I don't. (laughs) To be fair also, and it's not like you or I are that exceptionally old, But you've been partnered long enough that online dating was something that was new when you were single. No, that's not true at all. I did online dating. But it wasn't the norm like it is now anyway. No, that's true. I don't know that Tinder was really a thing. Okay, so the last time I was single, OkCupid. Yeah, I'm sure like Yahoo Personals and OkCupid was around. The places where you made a profile and you got on there and then you got emails and whatever else. Those were all kind of big. But otherwise, yeah, there were hookup places. You got online AOL chat rooms, city singles. You didn't come up <laughs> in the era where it is the way you met people like it is now almost. Yeah, no, that's for sure. That's for sure. I grew up in the you go into a chat room and ASL question mark. That was how you met people online. Oh. No, the days. Along with that, there were plenty of people that probably were waiting for certain things that they may have done before. Like maybe you don't kiss on the first date. Maybe you don't give that person a hug or you certainly don't have sex right away. So here's the thing with that. They've been doing lots of not necessarily studies, but I guess more like surveys. You know, they've been surveying people and psychologists are really getting involved in this because here's the thing. 
we're mammals. We are social creatures. We are creatures who require touch. We require affection. Even the most introverted of us in some way, shape, or form require some sort of touch, some sort of affection. Not necessarily sexual touch, not necessarily sexual affection, just some sort of touch or affection. And not having that Even if it's a high five, a pat on the shoulder from someone telling you that you've done a good job, like whatever it might be, that affirmation, whatever, not having that can be psychologically devastating to some people more than others, but overall just devastating to us as animals. And there are concerns now that as the pandemic continues, initially the issue with getting people to comply with social distancing, with masking, with all of the things that we need to do to keep people safe has been, oh, it's about my personal freedoms and whatever. Oh, it's this is all a government conspiracy to take my guns away or whatever nonsense they're spewing. It's been all about just getting people to fucking listen in the first place. And now the concern is, is that we're going to start getting to this place where it's no longer going to be about just getting people to... I don't want to say obey because that sounds terrible. (laughs) Just getting people to be safe for everyone's sake, but because people become so starved because they're experiencing touch deprivation, uh, skin hunger, there's a name for it, because they're experiencing that hunger, that touch deprivation, that they may start making more rash decisions, that they start making these bad choices out of sheer desperation to be with other people, to touch other people, that it's no longer just out of, I don't want to comply. It's out of, I have to touch someone. I have to be with someone. So that's a real concern. Look what happened to something as simple as the handshake. Oh, yeah. I mean, that might never come back. (laughs) Yeah. I remember seeing something about why arguably America handled this so poorly was the lack of collectivism in the American mindset, more of the me, me, me mentality this affect me mm-hmm. and you know i don't want to wear a mask because i don't think i should have to over we should wear a mask for the greater good and right or wrong that was a huge divisive thing in this country over the past year yeah absolutely absolutely because and it's not just america there are other people in other countries who have the same mindset but it is a prominent mindset in the united states this my freedoms yeah This very entitled, it's all about me. It's about what I'm getting or what I'm not getting or what's being taken away from me or the mask isn't comfortable for me. It's not fair to me. It's not right for me. Okay, yeah. The people that said that can shut up because I've had to wear one for like 10 hours at a time and I was fine. So shut up. Yeah, I'm sorry. Have you ever tried to wrestle a 300-pound man after running up three sets of stairs because you had to run downstairs to grab something and run back up the stairs and then wrestle the 300-pound man to the ground because he's not complying and he's threatening to hurt other people and then you have to give him a shot all while wearing a mask over a 14-hour shift? No. Go fuck yourself. Like, I can breathe just fine. And I have asthma, so... (laughs) How do you think this is going to deal in the future? Like, uh, you know, politics plays a huge part in relationships and religion and all that. Do you think the way that someone handled this this year could affect how someone sees them in romantic sense in the future? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my God. You were an anti-masker. I don't want to bang you. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, 100%. I see Facebook profiles being deleted. Yeah. (laughs) 
One of the questions on Plenty of Fish will be, how did you handle the pandemic? So it was funny because I was looking up some information and I was looking things up for this episode, some common dating issues that are happening now. And one of the big things, Tinder puts out dating trends every year. And one of the biggest dating trends that they put out in 2020 are some of the questions that people are asking. And one of the biggest questions that people are asking are mask or no mask. Do you sanitize? (laughs) So that is absolutely becoming a question that people are asking when deciding who they want to partner with is how they're handling this pandemic because that is absolutely important. It's not just about their own personal safety. It's about how they're going to treat other people. That's how I would see it. If I'm choosing a partner, Seth, if I were to come up to you, if, if you were someone that I saw as a potential partner and I asked you, you know, mask or no mask, I'm not asking you that because I'm concerned, are you going to come breathe COVID on me? I'm asking you because your response to me tells me how you care about the people around you. I agree with that. So that's a big fucking deal. So another unforeseen circumstance of the lockdown and relationships was being stuck with your partner for longer than you're used to. I think Family Guy once made a joke that most marriages really only are a couple hours a day. It wasn't really true this year. <laughs> on full on <laughs> lockdown with our partners, spouses, and otherwise. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of marriages and relationships probably ended this year because... I want to say the UK was the first to start the research on this. They were the first to notice the trend, or at least the first that I saw putting it down on paper, so to speak, that the divorce rates were those seeking divorce, because of course, you know, it's not all necessarily possible right now with things being the way they are. Divorce rates are up. People inquiring about divorce, uh, those rates are up. And it was funny because that thought crossed my mind because you brought it up, being stuck with your partner all day, which isn't a situation I'm in because, again, my partner and I were both essential workers. So our lives really have not been impacted as far as how much we see each other because our work schedules haven't changed. In fact, we're working more. So we're seeing really less of each other. I have friends that were working from home and it was a bit of a hassle being around your family that much. They didn't say that, but they were to say things like, I would kill to get out of the house for five minutes. <laughs> oh, I've absolutely heard that. I just need an hour away. I just need to get out of the house for 15 minutes. As a woman, I'm friends with several women who are stay-at-home parents. I know men who are stay-at-home parents and who suddenly their partners are home. And it's this whole new world where they're like, why are these kids so bad? (laughs) All of this free time that I had before. And it's like, these kids are always bad. You just don't see it. (laughs) You just don't see it. Like, welcome to my world. Now there's this host of animosity between the two because this is what I deal with all day. And now you're home, you get to deal with it too. Well, no, I'm home, but I'm working. But no, you're home, so you get to help. Suddenly, all these parents are also now teachers because of the virtual learning all the kids had to do this year. Oh, and can you imagine how that's fucked everything in the bedroom? Oh, yeah. If my partner and I were quarantined at home, you know, neither of us working, just the two of us, it would be like pants off, no holds barred 24-7 in theory. But when you start throwing all those other things into the mix, suddenly it's what you want and what you get are two very different things. And I think that in itself throws a whole wrench into the situation and adds stress. We've mentioned it several times on the show. You ended up coming down with COVID. 
I did. Well, my partner did too. Actually, my partner gave it to yeah, me. Yeah, he brought it home. <laughs> he brought it I home. I mean, that sounds terrible. Like I'm saying like he got you sick. No, it just right. happened that way, unfortunately. <laughs> and it was going to happen. Again, we're both essential workers. The odds of one of us catching it and not spreading it to the other one were very slim. What was your personal experience? Because you were basically both sick at the same time. How'd you deal? It was terrible. <laughs> uh, fortunately, it worked out where his, the worst of his symptoms had pretty well passed before the worst of my symptoms hit. And his wound up being the much shorter lived. His symptoms were very mild. He never really ran much of a fever. I never had a fever at all. That whole temperature checking as you walk into every building mm-hmm. would never have mattered. So yeah, other than some fatigue and some body aches for him, other than feeling just yucky, he was over it pretty quickly. And then I had a cough, which I still have. Uh, I still can't breathe completely well. Now it's over two months later. But you guys were able to take care of each other with no real issue, apparently then, right? Yeah, because again, the way it staggered, we were able to take care of each other. We talked about that free five minutes to get out of the house. Your options were limited this year. The places that you normally would go to, a restaurant or a bar, suddenly became not options. And that was really strange to me because I don't think I've ever... I like to cook, but given what I do for a living and how often I work, it was really hard to cook a lot. And I did a lot of dining. And this year, I've cooked more than I ever have in my life. Weeks at a time, I was making my own meals. <laughs> we still hit the drive through pretty regularly. I'm not going to lie. I don't do fast food, so... <laughs> And curbside's expensive. Oh, they know my name too well at McDonald's. I like my coffee in the morning. I tried doing the curbside at some of my favorite restaurants, but man, that got pricey. You know what we live on? Those companies that send you the meals that you, you oh, prep yeah, and yeah, cook. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh, I love those. So Those are a bit pricey too, but they are quite good. And they're really not. I think the one that we use is one of the least expensive and we pay it $4.99. That's not bad. No, it's really not. Not at all. Not for what you get. I mean, the portions are really good size. The food is good. It's always fresh. You get so many options. We did it several years ago and the options were much more limited and now they've just expanded it so much. And it it makes it so much easier for us too because, you know, you get it, you throw it in the fridge and then (laughs) the instructions are easy enough for him to follow that he can throw the meals together too. So, you know, it works. But fucking places that you could go before you can anymore, places that you could take a date you know, from when you finally get to that point where you've been Zoom dating or chatting online, maybe you've been texting, maybe you've been, do people email anymore? Whatever it is that you're doing, you're texting, you're Facebook messaging, you've sent some dirty videos back and forth, you've taken pictures of your boobs, you've done the Zoom dating, you've jerked off for the camera, whatever it is that you've done. You finally gotten to the point that you're going to meet in person, you're going to, you're going to risk the vid. This is the one. You get there, you don't get mask fished, which is a thing I learned. It's an actual term. So mask fishing is where somebody looks really good in their mask and then they take it off and it's no bueno. Yeah, they're snaggle tooth or something like that. I know. There's nothing wrong with snaggle teeth. Not everyone can afford, you know, to get those things fixed. Oh, no, I don't mean that in the <laughs> to be a dick. I'm just saying that, you know, a term that is used for maybe an uggo. <laughs> I'm thinking more like they look all nice and then they take their mask off and they have meth mouth. Yeah, yeah. Hiding a drug problem or whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mask fishing. So you get you get to them. They're not mask fishing. They're a really great person. You decide, okay, this is it. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to date. Where the fuck do you even go? Can't go to a concert. Can't go to a movie. Can't go to a sporting event. Can't go to the bar. Can't go to the bar. Can't go to a Can't restaurant. go to a restaurant. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, like, where do you even go? Like, what do you do? We're going to go for a walk to the doctor's office. <laughs> you, no, because you can't go in. They're all doing telehealth appointments. Oh, you're right. God damn it. <laughs> Did you see not long after, um, I guess it was over the summer, that one meme, how gynecologist visits are going to be, and it just shows the woman squatting over the laptop. Oh. <laughs> see, and that's the thing is there were so many great memes off of this year of the COVID pandemic. And I think it tied into one of my favorite ones was commenting on the meme culture where it was like, you know, millennials and Gen Z will meme the worst things and make it funny. Like there could be an asteroid heading towards Earth to kill us all and there'd be memes of it. Well, then you'll just get the one meme with the dog sitting in the room that it's on fire and he's just going to be like, I'm fine. This is fine. But some of my favorites (laughs) were stay home if you're sick, come over if you're thick. That was a great one. And then there was the one of just a mask that said any man that complains about wearing this has never finished a woman orally. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So I think the meme culture did good in the era of COVID, at least. So somebody did well, at least. (laughs) Oh, gosh. There was so much other just random ass news related to sex and not necessarily COVID related, more of just stuff that happened, like the big Pornhub incident recently. You want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, well, there were a couple other items, other big news things that were absolutely related to COVID and and the quarantine. But yeah, we can talk about Pornhub if you want. Well, look into those. We're just hitting on news items, so why not? Yeah, sure. Pornhub cleared all of their non-verified content. So if you didn't have the equivalent of a blue check mark, you were gone. But do you know why? Because the potential for underage people and also stolen content. Well, okay, so here's the thing. So... There's been a lot of accusations thrown around for a while and legitimate accusations um, that a lot of the unverified content contained underage, underage people, that it contained acts, uh, non, you know, unconsensual acts, uh, contained rape, contained people who had been sex trafficked. And for their part, so they say, Pornhub responded to those accusations as fast as they could anytime an accusation was made the video got pulled, the photos or whatever got pulled, the account got pulled. But the problem with the unverified accounts is that it's like a Hydra. You can pull one, they're unverified. So there's nothing stopping someone from copying it and throwing it right back up under a new account. I've done experiments before and where I went and looked for a particular video and wanted to see how many versions of it I could find because I was trying to prove a point to a friend. And I found like, 12 different versions of one scene, but uploaded by different creators. So it's like, all right, who's the actual content creator here? Who's responsible for this? Right. That's been a long time issue with that. And like most big companies, Pornhub has essentially been saying, well, you know, our our hands are tied. You know, we're doing everything we can. We respond as fast as we can by taking the videos down, by canceling the accounts as soon as we know about them. But, you know, again... We talked with Vex back on when she was on the show that Pornhub is the Netflix of porn for good or bad. They're the go-to for most people. They're the YouTube of porn, essentially. The most well-known, the most generic. Right. So yeah, they're doing their thing. They're pulling stuff as fast as they can, so they say. And But you have all of these victims out there. And I saw a couple of interviews with these victims who are just traumatized over and over again. We're talking about someone who, this has been haunting her for a decade. She was kidnapped. She was sex trafficked. You know, these images were taken of her and she's still seeing them. 
and and they're still coming up on Pornhub. Yikes. So what wound up happening was these accusations are still being thrown around. And so I don't know if it was a lawsuit or it was something that happened that came up against Pornhub and hidden where it counts, the finances. Visa and MasterCard caught wind of it. And Visa and MasterCard said, hey, we're not going to be affiliated with this. We're going to pull. So none of your customers will be able to pay for any of their content with Visa or MasterCard if you don't do something about this. If any of this is founded, we're going to do an investigation. If any of this is founded, we're pulling. So that's when it happened. It always comes down to the money. It always comes down to the money. Oh, it always comes down to money. So then it was within days, Pornhub pulled all unverified videos. Do you think they would have done anything if they hadn't done that? Or it would have been, they would have kept investigating into perpetuity? Oh, I think that they would have kept on doing exactly what they were doing. Because they didn't have the best rep anyway. We talked about it before, too. They're not looked upon horribly, but they're not looked upon great either. They are kind of, oh, Pornhub, eh. They're a little sleazy. And I think that a lot of it comes down to because they allow so many freedoms. Can they recoup their rep or are they tarnished for good? I think anybody can recoup their reputation. I don't see them losing their spot as number one. I think the gap might close between one and two. Well, who's number two? No idea. (laughs) Well, the gap must be pretty big then, so I don't know about it closing anytime soon. I would almost say at this point that probably sites like OnlyFans or many vids would be number two because you're dealing directly with the provider. You're talking about the difference between something that someone can get on and look at for free versus not. You're never going to win over free. Yes, because we are in a cheapskate society to an extent. <laughs> Period. You're never going to win over free. You're just not. Oh, yeah. no, no. Anywhere, <laughs> anywhere. I'm not saying Americans. I'm saying humans in general are cheapskate society. <laughs> well, I mean, not just cheapskates. It's just, again, almost nobody is going to pay for something that they can walk out and get for free. It's just, it's not going to happen. Hence why all of ourselves in high school were downloading music illegally. <laughs> Right, exactly. Almost on the same vein of porn and all that, uh, man, there was a hell of a sex toy boom this year, wasn't there? (laughs) The sales, anyway. There was. I think it was something like 60% or something boom in sex toy sales (laughs) during the pandemic. Not at all uh, During quarantine. Not at all shocking. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all shocking. I was not at all surprised to see those numbers. And most of them were female sex toys. That's not surprising either. I would say that... Nope the lion's share of sex toy sales anyway are female sex toys, but... Oh, yeah. And right after the pandemic, of course, because as we've said before, I'm a member of FetLife, I did start noticing right after quarantine started because FetLife is an international website. There are people from all over the world on there. As soon as quarantine started, it seemed like every sex toy company had sales. 75% off, 90% off. Like everybody was just like, sales, sales, sex toys entertain yourself during quarantine. And everybody had these cute little ads about being, you know, safe sex during quarantine and blow up dolls. And well, even again, I talked with uh, Vex about that is the whole quarantine series of porn because, you know, you couldn't be filming in the same location, especially sex scenes. Right. So it became a series of masturbation movies, which, hey, I mean, make do. Well, exactly. As Bailey, how sales have been, you know, (laughs) since all this started. Yeah. There's one thing that you brought to the table that I didn't know about and kind of surprised me a little bit. 
But apparently there was a uh, false decline in STI numbers due to lack of testing. Why would there be a lack of testing for STIs? I'm curious about that. Okay, so I was really surprised about this. So I was wondering about, in the nursing that I do, we run a lot of STI tests. And I was wondering if just the number of STIs had declined since the pandemic just because people were having less sex. So just the number of new cases were dropping. So I was doing a little research and I started noticing that there were lots of studies being done. And yes, I was correct. The number of STIs has dropped significantly because STIs have been steadily increasing dramatically in some cases over the last many years. Last year was a huge boom and they expected it to follow suit again this year. They started looking at possible reasons why those numbers could be down. And it's actually really frightening. So first, you have to look at the fact that demographically, where a lot of the STIs tend to be located, uh, they tend to be located in lower income areas. They tend to be located in areas that you have limited access to healthcare. So you're looking at clinics, you're looking at free clinics, walk-in clinics, which are not accessible right now with COVID. They're closed. You can't walk in. You're looking at demographically areas that may or may not have access to internet, that can't afford internet, can't afford Wi-Fi in the home. So you're looking at places where they would be going to the library. They might be relying on school to be able to access the internet for things like telehealth appointments, which they can't do because libraries are closed, because schools are closed. In some areas, there's one clinic open where there used to be six or 10. So appointments are not only limited, they're almost impossible to get. Then you also have fear because now there's added fear of contracting COVID. So where someone would just go get the test to see if they've contracted an STI, they're not even going because they're more worried about contracting COVID than worried about whether or not they got an STI. Yes, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Places are closed where they may have been going to get things like condoms. So, you know, the local shops are closed. Masks may not be readily available if they want to be able to go down to the shop to buy condoms. You know, so they have to have a mask to go in and get the condoms and they don't have a mask. I'd be very curious because I know there's been jokes about there's going to be a baby boom next year from all the quarantine babies. I'm very curious, like, how many of those are going to be unwanted? Those would have been women that, that aren't ready or were sexually assaulted or whatever reason that they would terminate the pregnancy. Well, and again, because access to clinics, access is to places like planned pregnancy have been so limited. But the biggest thing that I hadn't considered and is totally just mind-boggling insane simply comes down to the materials necessary to make the tests have been diverted to make the COVID tests. Really? Yeah. So I think it's chlamydia. They can test by blood now. Yes. Yes, you can. Okay. Problem with that is, is that those tests now that they can test the blood, those supplies are being diverted to use for COVID. Well, it means it's supply and demand. It's right. a more pressing issue at the moment. Which means that we're having to revert back to sticking swabs up the dick. So how many guys 
are going to walk in, get swabbed up the dick, and then go back to get swabbed up the dick again the next time they think they have chlamydia. And if you're not into sounding, you're not going to be doing that. Exactly. And we're not gentle. No, no, you're not. not. And if you're in pain enough to think you have chlamydia, it's not going to be real comfortable when we stick a swab up your dick. Yes, very true. (laughs) In case you didn't guess, I've never stuck a swab up a dick, so I wouldn't. (laughs) That's not a test I've regularly performed because, again, you know, we tend to just take a rainbow of blood tubes and a urine sample, and we run all of our tests off of it because, fortunately, those shortages have yet to hit our hospital. We still have all of the supplies that we need to run tests the way that we've always run tests. Thank, thank God, because it's mind-boggling. It is absolutely mind-boggling. So yeah, in these underserved areas, it's getting to that point now where they're simply out of supplies. They just don't have the supplies to test. So there is a real concern that not only are the STI numbers significantly greater than they're currently presenting, but that they're significantly greater than we may even imagine simply because of the inaccessibility to other preventative measures that people may have been using in the past. So I remember growing up as a young child, and this was the height of the air quotes AIDS crisis when people were super scared of it. I mean, you should still be, mind you, but it was like, oh my God, you have have to carry, you must have condoms all the time, you have to be safe, safe, safe. And then we kind of got away from that. And maybe we'll get back to that with anything that would unfortunately come from this. Part of me doubts it. (laughs) Because it's too hard to get people to wear a fucking mask for 20 minutes while they're in Target. Yeah, you're right. Damn it. Because I go into the gas station in the morning to buy a Red Bull and I still stand in line with six people who aren't wearing a mask for the five minutes they're in the fucking gas station. Or wearing it down on their chin or not over their nose at least. Just. They're not even bothered to put it fucking on for the five minutes that they're in the gas station. In the tiny gas station, crowded with seven other people, they can't be bothered to put on their goddamn mask. Sorry. It's a hot subject. Oh, I'm with you. Trust me. Before we get out of here, we need to acknowledge some people that meant a lot. A lot of people that should still be here aren't. Some people that really were big names in sex and equality and all of that jazz. So a couple people that we lost that I'd like to talk about. Sean Connery, of course, he was a dick, but, oh, God, he was a sexy dick. <laughs> that is one old man I would have ridden into the ground. It was all the voice. It was the voice. It was the attitude. It was the way he carried himself. It was just, God, everything about him. Chadwick Boseman and the way he wore that suit and fuck everything about him. Naya Rivera an icon in the LGBTQ community, her role in Glee. And she was young. She was young. She was 33. And um, I mean, obviously, like you said, we don't ever want to see anyone go, but that was tragic. So, and she left a four-year-old behind. So a big loss for everybody, a big loss for the LGBTQ community. And then the last person that I have to mention, someone that I had never heard of, but as I was doing research for this episode, um, Amy Harwick who was a former Playboy centerfold and model, was a practicing therapist in Los Angeles, a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from California. So she wrote a book back in 2014 called The New Sex Bible for Women, Complete Guide to Sexual Awareness and Intimacy, available on Amazon. I'm just going to read the uh, synopsis here real fast. You've heard it over and over again. The key to a great sexual experience is satisfying your partner. 
For most women, great sex lies in not only satisfying your partner, but also having a good understanding of your own body needs and desires, whether you're younger, older, married or not. The New Sex Bible for Women is an all-encompassing and fully comprehensive guide for women covering everything from masturbation, oral sex, self-esteem and self-care, sex position, safety and concerns, and sex aids. Basically, it's a fucking self-bible. It's got illustrations, inputs from celebrities, testimonials. It's got fucking everything. I really suggest that you read it. It's a great book. She was murdered by an ex-boyfriend because people are fucking shit. So she was another big loss, I think, this year. Which brings us to Seth's idol. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> a big loss yeah, uh, a big in the loss world for, for everybody. Sexual equality and gender equality was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And uh, she was a personal hero of mine. Me being one of the more liberal people I know, she was one of those people that I could uh, look at and go, all right, at least I have her there. She's my voice. She can speak for the issues I believe in. And she was ill for quite a long time. There's lots of people that were hoping that she would hold out until after the election. Well, that didn't quite happen, unfortunately. And I'm not going to get into who they replaced her with. But anyway, so those that don't know, back in the day, drinking age could be determined by a state instead of a federal level. So in Oklahoma, they had two different drinking ages, 18 for girls and 21 for boys. Well, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, being the equality that she is, she wanted to have a case, to, uh, what's called a test case, to where she could bring up cases about gender inequality for women by testing a case for gender inequality for men. So she took this all the way to the Supreme Court and ended up winning the case and saying, like, having two different drinking age for sexes is unconstitutional and is gender discrimination. And it was just a clever way and a great way. And it's a great thing to do. But I just love the woman and I'm sad to see her go. And I sometimes worry about reproductive rights and what's going to happen in the coming years. But she was great. She was just a force in not just, like I said, not just gender equality, but sexual equality and reproductive rights and LGBT rights. So, hmm. all right. So getting off the sad train, as we sometimes get on on this show. No, it's not sad at all. There's nothing sad at all about talking about someone who's who's that fucking amazing. Yes. But do you have any uh, last wishes or last thoughts on the year that we're never going to forget? No, I don't think so. I think that 2020 has just been a fucked up time. But I mean, let's face it. I think we've learned a lot about ourselves as a people. I think we've learned a lot about each other as a people. I think we've all had an opportunity to do some self-exploration to figure out who we are. Hopefully, we've taken this time to do that. And or at the very least, taken a look at the people next to us and decided whether or not they're the people we're going to unlock the door for during the zombie apocalypse, because I certainly have. <laughs> I know which people I'm going to trust to tell me whether or not they've been bitten. <laughs> I've definitely learned a lot of things this year. I've learned that a lot of my friends can buy into some really weird conspiracies. <laughs> yeah. I've learned that Facebook is not good for my mental health. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. Especially this year. And, oh, God, uh, no. And you know what else I've learned, Seth? What's that? I've learned that there's apparently a group of people out there who, for some unknown fucking reason, seem to kind of like us. It's strange, I know, right? It is weird. But you know what? I kind of like them, too. Yeah, they're kind of neat. They are pretty neat. And I like the fact that every so often we can pull back the covers and invite them into the sack, roll around with us a little bit. 
but just don't laugh at my gut, please, okay? <laughs> Look, we're getting older. Things jiggle. It's going to happen. Thank all of you guys for a wonderful first, I wouldn't say first year, but the first calendar year of the program. It's been a lot of fun interacting with all of you. It has. It's been fantastic. And, and I know things have been a little shaky. We've had a few trials and tribulations, but we're going to try working on a schedule. And hey, hopefully you guys all noticed at the beginning of this episode, at the beginning of last episode, you guys should have heard hopefully a cross promotion. Yeah. A promo there from some friends of ours with Licking Non Vanilla. So yay. In the world. Yeah. And if you didn't hear that, that means that the promo is over and they don't like us anymore. But hey, whatever. What can we do? We still like them. We still like them. <laughs> Give them a listen. Yeah. They're great. Their podcast is amazing. And they talk plenty about sex and it, it's fun, but they talk a lot about business. And I'm not going to lie, listening to their show, no offense, guys. I felt a little bit like a kid listening to my dad and his buddies. If I liked my dad and his buddies sitting around chatting, I really felt like I was learning something important. So <laughs> Sarah went to school. I did. I, <laughs> I really felt like I was learning something important. So I suggest that you, you sit down and listen to them because they're great. It's very entertaining. You'll learn a few things about life, about business and just be fucking entertained in the process. And so. I'm going to go ahead and throw mine in there and say you should listen as well. So you have my endorsement as well, guys. Love you. <laughs> we love you. Have fun. Uh, fuck 2020. Yes. Let's hope 2021 is a better year. We, and, no, uh, yeah, let, let's we'll be careful. Let, let's tiptoe in. Let's, let's not jump in and, and be like, all right, it'll be great. Well, let's, let's just not make any noise and hope no one startles like the bigger murder hornets or something. No, no, no. See, I'm going at this a completely different direction. I'm not going into it hoping that it's swearing it's going to be better, but you know what? 2020 is over. 2021 is coming. It's like a fucking freight train and I am greeting it with open arms. Whatever fucking comes is coming. <laughs> but if you guys want to continue to interact with us, and I know that you do because we love you and you love us and it's just a big love fest here. <laughs> As always, you can get a hold of us on Twitter and Instagram at In The Sack Pod. Go to our Facebook. Just look up In The Sack with Seth and Sarah. You can follow us individually on FetLife. You can follow me at Seth Muss, and you can follow Sarah at Living Unscripted. Yes, and hit that subscribe button. Yes, rate and review too. Yes, please review us. Tell us what you think, even if it's bad. Don't make me cry or make me cry if that's your thing. Yeah, well, whatever works for you. <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you later. Yes, and uh, we will bring you, a promised, as promised, that episode about online dating the next time that you jump in the sack. With Seth and Sarah. In the Sack with Seth and Sarah has been an SNS production with cover art by Sarah Davis. Featuring music by Bradley Arl and can be downloaded wherever you find your podcast.